and there was a gentleman in the class at the time that had a lot more computer skills than I did. I was trying to produce this on my, oh, what would it have been at that time? It would have been a dinosaur of a computer, and I was getting nowhere. So he took it up for me, but he added, if you see that copyright Reginald Kimbrough, and it, I've done a handwritten thing that in this copy kind of got faded. I just put underneath that inside joke. Uh, because um, this is not copyrighted, but the reason he put that in there is I was making confession that I stole this from my father-in-law. Um, so um, he was kind of getting at me for being a plagiarist. But uh, I tweaked it a little bit. Uh, Dad's was a little different. Jan's dad actually wrote a book called On the Level that was based on this, and uh, he and Jan's brother kind of co-authored it. But... He has a lot of different levels in between. Like He's got a level about family and things like that. Um, I've just restricted this to church affiliation to more so that separation from false teachers <clears throat> category. But I think there's some worthy stuff to think about here. Um, and some of you will have seen this before, uh, but it's been several years, so I thought particularly for the young people, it would be nice to introduce this again. Uh, just to explain what you're looking at first, and then I want to work through it, and I think that will probably finish us today. The, the main piece of this to understand is that the bottom is the widest level. It's the, the widest point uh, in the pyramid. And the, the bottom of this and the top of this, which is the narrowest point, uh, are, the, are the two key things to remember. Ultimately, I have a connection, I have an eternal connection with every other child of God. Whatever other pieces of that work out in life, uh, in eternity, uh, I'm going to have a, a connection with everybody else that's born again. Uh, at the very top level, there are a lot of things in life in which it's just me and the Lord. Um, I don't have to conform to the dictates of anyone else's conscience, um, but I do have to stand before God uh, with regard to his word and my own conscience. And so on a lot of secondary and third level and fourth level issues, there are believers and even equally committed, sincere believers that can reach different conclusions on lesser matters. And that's where the priesthood of the believer is a vital part of our Christian experience. Um, but everything in between that, uh, particularly when it comes to our public interaction and the church's testimony before the Lord or before the world, um, there are some different levels that we have to be mindful of. Um, if you look at this pyramid, and I, I've actually got a dear friend I was in school with at BJ that kind of gives a similar graphic only he uses concentric circles um, but really if if you had a drone and you were on top of the pyramid you could see that one this way too but I've got this pyramid broken into four sections and if you see those little dotted lines uh, and those four sections have to do with that bottom section that's broken off I've labeled that over to the right that's a those are levels of no cooperation uh, there are times in which people that call themselves Christian 
or maybe even disobedient brethren, as we've used the phrase here, we have to cut off from that. No cooperation. When you move up to that next level, second from the bottom, here's a level where we might have cooperation uh, with other believers. Um, and I've broken that into two sections. Obedient brethren in both sections, but on the bottom, the wider level, brethren that have theological differences on... Uh, what's that word? That was another thing the guy that had the computer skills put in for me. Adiaphora. Who knows what that means? We don't need a total alliteration. I'm looking for a different word. It's not coming. Um, Anyway. Matters of indifference or matters of no difference. Uh, That would be the first little prefix there. Ah, diaphora. Um, We got two. Ah would be no. Dia would be through. Fora, we have to figure that one out. I first heard that word with Dr. Panosian in church history, uh, looking at the Protestants after the dawn of the Reformation and the, the bigger matters and the lesser matters. Adiaphora is a word I've only seen used in church history that has to do with matters of no consequence, uh, matters where people can disagree and still be Christians. They can disagree and still be brethren, still be on the way to heaven, still be born again, all of the above. Uh, And that's obviously true in our experience here. But when it comes to the church and its teaching and its testimony, there may be a level of cooperation that we can have with these people that we might not have, or or I'm saying this backwards, Uh, there may be levels of cooperation we can share with them and other levels that we can't. And so when you look at that uh, main title for that second block of the pyramid, cooperation, I put for the bottom section, that cooperation is limited. Um, they may be our true brethren, and we rejoice in that, and we have, can have and should have great love for them if I ever reprint this, and one of you other people with more computer skills than me, then... I'm going to work love into this graphic somehow. But we can cooperate with believers, faithful believers, obedient brethren, uh, that differ on some of these lesser matters, matters of no eternal consequence. We can have cooperation with them in a limited way on big things. Uh, And I put there like major issues, public defense of the faith. Well, we have some theological differences with John MacArthur. I've mentioned him today. Um, So we might not have John come and speak here on um, eschatology. Or we might have him come and then we just have a rebuttal. Um, But there may be areas where a dispensational believing church, maybe even a church that's openly Arminian. Um, There are a couple brethren that come to that Bible faculty summit that I occasionally go to in the summers uh, that are confessedly Arminian. They believe that Christians can lose their salvation. Uh, There's a lot of other guys in the room that are really Arminian and they're inconsistent and they're not as consistent as those guys. But 
maybe we would like to give a big testimony. We have these creation science guys come in. Um, maybe there's some big thing that happens in our city that is pushing evolution. And several churches say, you know, let's, let's give a testimony against that. Well, we might not be able to have the money to rent the Lawrence Joel Coliseum. But if we got this church and that church and this church and the other church and the other church together, we might could do that. We might get to have Ken Ham bring some of his dinosaurs down here and whatever. So you see what I'm getting at here. We can have a limited cooperation with obedient brethren, even though we might disagree on some matters. Um, so that level we want to, to recognize. But then we go up a level in this same block still. If they're obedient brethren that have a similar theology, they're reformed from our perspective, here's a, a category to look at. Well, there may be some solid Reformed Baptist brothers that we would like to have in to preach for us or, or teach on a particular topic or theme. Well, then our cooperation might be more extended. Uh, teaching ministry, pulpit supply, I've put in there. Um, I was asked last summer to speak at a church in Burlington that's a ex church that practices exclusive psalmody. Well, we have a few differences. Uh, they don't use instruments in their public worship. They have a guy kind of hum to get everybody on pitch. I didn't hear a pitch pipe, so I don't know if they have somebody that has perfect pitch or if he just hummed and it was wrong and we just stayed wrong. I don't know. Um, but there's a few differences on... Those would be like third, fourth level things um, that of necessity have made a different denomination form. Uh, if you have a conviction that the regulative principle of worship, which we Protestants are supposedly, particularly Presbyterian Protestants, happy to embrace, if you think that reaches to the point of only singing psalms and never using instruments in worship, then it's kind of hard for you to be part of a church that sings hymns too and uses instruments. So there's two different churches, but the similarities are so great, they outweigh the differences when it comes to even an extended level of cooperation. Um, and so here uh, we can see that. And um, that level, I think, is, is a vital one to understand. The third block that I put working up the pyramid is one that I've entitled accountability. Accountability is stronger than cooperation. We can have this brother that's the exclusive psalmody teacher, um, a great fellowship. He can speak and teach here on many, many things, and they can have me teach and speak there on many, many things. But the points where we differ and make us be in a different denomination mean that there's a level of accountability to one another that we don't share. Uh, they don't have me come to their presbytery meetings and vote on the decisions they're making. That guy might come in and vote for us to sing Horatius Bonner or something. Can't have that. Sorry, I shouldn't even be joking on that, but you, you get what I'm saying. Accountability is another level. Uh, it's where we have a bond one to another. And I've put in here uh, a division between denominational affiliation 
and the local church. And I've put on the side there uh, for that denominational level, doctrinal uniformity. Uh, in a denomination such as a presbytery, uh, all of the churches subscribe the same doctrinal standards. Uh, we subscribe the Westminster standards, which historically Presbyterians, many Congregationalists, a lot of Baptists with, we say the, the London Confession is uh, the baptized Westminster, um, but those common doctrinal boundaries. Um, so that's a, a level of accountability where all the churches in that denomination are accountable to each other and maintain the same things. I put in here the example of federal law and state law. Uh, our Constitution is, in a lot of ways, a Presbyterian structure. And that's designed, it's not lived anymore, but it's designed for everything to be handled in the lowest level possible. Uh, there's the broad principles that would bind us together, but let the states and then deal with the things in their states, let the counties deal with their county. Uh, I mean, do we really want the, uh, I don't know, what was that city in Flint, Michigan, uh, in charge of Forsyth County water? Or, you know, let's take care of our own water. Um, you get what I'm saying? Um, so there's a, a level where the local church is going to have responsibilities and even levels of accountability that it handles in-house that aren't dealt with in the larger denomination. And that example Derek brought up last time uh, would apply. Even though an elder uh, is a member of Presbytery and represents the local church in the Presbytery, so your voices are heard in the discussions that impact all of the churches, but that elder is not a member of Presbytery because if he is to be disciplined, uh, the body that he's removed from is the local session. Uh, once he's removed from that, he's no longer a member of Presbytery. Not being a minister, he's not going to be sneaking around to go get a call to be a minister somewhere else. So that can be dealt with in-house. Um, but any other issues that the local church, uh, and there can be times where sheer geography, local context, um, might come to a point where a local church says, you know, we want to be clear about this. It's been an issue in our location. And something is put in practice there that might not be put in practice for all of the other churches. And the Presbytery doesn't see a need for that to be put in practice for all the other churches. So that's where a local church accountability could be narrower than an accountability that's denomination-wide. Um, if I ever do this again, I'm going to put a, a smaller dotted line inside of that local church box that's the highest point on the pyramid before you get to the capstone. There are different levels of accountability inside the local church who can think of who can think of a way that I'm accountable to something that you're not accountable to your wife my wife <laughs> to which she says amen <laughs> um, um, when we have an ordination here whether it's for a minister or for uh, 
a lay elder, there's something that they do that you're not required to do when you become a member of this church. What's that? Subscribe to the confession of faith. Um, our presbytery, presbyteries historically have required ministers and elders, those that are going to be teachers in the church, to publicly subscribe the Westminster Standards as a confession of their own faith. Um, sadly, some presbyteries have dropped that off. Um, that's been a big issue for decades in the PCA. Um, if you're familiar with Greenville Presbyterian Seminary, it's a very good school down in Greenville. Um, I think he's kind of getting into retired status now, maybe emeritus professorship or something, but a guy named Joe Piper, we've occasionally had a couple, he might be one of the authors in those little reform booklet things that we need to restock probably back there. But one of the things Joe Piper and that school have sought to promote <coughs> Piper's predecessor, I'm going to fight for this name. Um, ah. It'll come to me tonight about 10 o'clock. I'll just call everybody. Um, anyway, I can't think of the name. But one of the, pet peeves isn't the right word, but one of the things that was actually kind of an impetus to that school being started, it's not a denominational school. It's Presbyterian, historically Westminster Standard-based uh, seminary. They serve the PCA and the OPC particularly, but there are others. There's some independent guys that choose to study there too. But one of their pet peeves, to get back to that word, has been uh, that the PCA ceased having ministers and elders subscribe to standards uh, and you know, where that can lead. And so that's been one of Piper's themes in his ministry along the way. But that's where... In the local church, uh, you can be a member and not publicly subscribe to standards. You're going to be told, hopefully, uh, in your membership interview that that's what we believe. You get copies of it. You might sit in Sunday school and be asked to rehearse the catechisms and such things. So you need to know that's what you're going to hear. Lord willing, that's what we're going to consistently be bringing. But you don't have to say that you agree with everything in that confession uh, in order to be a member. Uh, so there's a different level of accountability even for the teachers versus the regular members inside of a local church. So you could add another dotted line uh, in that local church box to say there's a narrower field of accountability still inside that local assembly than just what everybody's held to. So those first blocks the bottom block, no cooperation, is just marking off those that may name the name of Christ, but their testimony or their doctrine uh, is unacceptable, and so it's incumbent upon us to not fellowship. That next block of cooperation, sometimes limited, sometimes extended, but in each case outside of that next block of accountability, and when we come to that accountability and we have denominational connection, various um, levels of that, uh, we recognize. But then that final level, the capstone, as my father-in-law very aptly, colloquially, I guess, put it, that's where it's just you and the Lord. 
Well, there may be that among the elders of a single local church, there are differences of opinion on things. Maybe one of the elders says, you know, we're not going to have a TV in our house. Another elder says, no, we're going to have one, but we're going to control it. Well, they don't agree. Well, the church hasn't, I think rightly, decided it's going to make a stand on that. It has to be. But the individual, before the Lord, he has to work on what's to be. And maybe background, tendencies, weaknesses, strengths, all those kind of things can come in where the Lord by His Spirit wrestles with our conscience. And we look at other believers and there are times in which that's a good thing. Iron sharpens iron and we can learn from one another. But there are times when it's a dangerous thing where if our conscience is impacted by something, and other people don't have a problem with it. It's not something that's clear enough scripturally, like that question having a TV, um, where the church needs to speak to it. Um, because that's one of those things in that lower level, accountability. You need wisdom even in how the church speaks to those things. And there are differences on that. And our church is take stands on things other Presbyterians don't that they think we shouldn't. And I appreciate the weight of some of those arguments and how that comes forth. I think sometimes people argue about that from the right and from the left in a wrong way, but that's because we're all imperfect and prone to error and flesh and all the above. But in these areas where the church doesn't speak, even areas where within the leadership of the session of the church, there's room for disagreement. The priesthood of the believer is that capstone of the pyramid. That's where in our homes, and we experience that in our homes. We raise our children with certain standards and the way we do things. And they grow up, and Lord willing, they've learned from those. They've been beneficial. Maybe they carry those on into their own families. Maybe they marry someone, they work through, or we did it this way in our house, and your folks did it that way in your house. How are we going to work that out in our own home? Well, there may be little differences between here and there. Um, so the home, and then inside the home, the individual, the person. So the priesthood of the believer, both the liberties that that involves and the responsibilities that that involves. I wonder how many times people sin against their own conscience because they can look at somebody else and say, well, they do this. Well, remember Luther's very true remark at the Diet of Worms. It can never be right for a man to sin against his conscience. You look scripturally, even in a matter that is a liberty, if you don't know it's a liberty, if you don't with faith Whatever's not a faith is sin. If you don't, with a clear conscience, exercise that liberty, you can sin when you do something that's not a sin because you believe it's a sin and you do it anyway. So the priesthood of the believer is, maybe it's not the best analogy, but it's a sword that cuts both ways. It speaks much of liberty. 
but it speaks much of responsibility. <coughs> and that's where hopefully we've been helped at all those levels going along the way to grow in grace, to have iron sharpen iron, but then to walk before the Lord uh, in ourselves. So anyway, any questions on that? I just wanted to basically to get this in your hands again today and well fill in the hour while Derek's gone. Would we ever consider having John MacArthur speak at our church? <laughs> we, we could consider it, and I think probably wouldn't happen. Uh, he's one of those that, of course, John's getting some years on him now, but I was talking to Joel Beakey um, at the Sermon Audio Conference. He gets an average of two to three invitations a day to speak somewhere. Two or three invitations a day. And he obviously has to turn down the vast, vast, vast majority of those. But I think he still said he averages, what did he say, honey? Was it 150 or 120 nights, days a year? He's out somewhere. I guess on a, on a more practical level, where would that level in the uh, obedient brethren section of the dotted line um, separated there? I mean, would John MacArthur or someone like John MacArthur fit the bill to be on the pulpit's block? Or would, I mean, I know that's a... a I, I personally would have no problem with John filling our pulpit. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. We There was something very early on in our history where we got in the mail an invitation to a big conference they were having down at High Point in one of the furniture... What do they call that every year? The furniture market. furniture market, one of those big furniture market buildings. And they had a speaker in there. It was called Let the Fire Fall. And it was a big charismatic thing. And they had some guy in that had uh, raised people from the dead. And I said, well, we've been invited. We should go. I mean, I was pretty young and energetic in those days. So I printed up a flyer. And we went down and distributed it, just basically warning people about the dangers of the charismatic movement. Well, if they had, if there was a big multi-city-wide thing like that again that was pushed, and John was available, um, he's done a lot of work. He's had a lot of experience. He's a name that's out there with regard to the charismatic movement. If he were willing, I would be happy to have him come here and speak about the charismatic movement and what dangers it had. So I would, I would probably put him particularly. Well, even even before he got more reformed, I would have put him a little closer to that top box of similar theology than the bottom box. Because uh, I think he's an inconsistent dispensationalist that's not really a dispensationalist anymore. Uh, so, yeah, but I would, to give us a solid example, I would have been happy to have him in the pulpit. Probably not every Free Presbyterian would be comfortable doing that, but I would, particularly on a topic like that, I would be happy to extend the invitation and see what he said. But I doubt we could get him. Joel Beakey has spoken two miles from here before. He did a conference at uh, Twin City maybe more than once. So that's part of his journey to get these halting dispensationalists the rest of the way. So...
Anybody else? All right, well, anyway, um, if you give that to anybody, scratch off the copyrighted corner there, and maybe one of these years I'll tweak the extra things I added in. But, well, thank you for putting up with the substitute again today. Um, appreciate it. And um, you're dismissed.